0: Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press 1. Popcorn
3: Talk. We talk movies.
0: From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Hello, profilers! Profilers. Yes, as you can tell
1: by our attire, because we're not wearing baggy t-shirts, we are profiling the most successful, the longest-running, continuing film series in motion picture history, Bond, James Bond. Yes,
4: and I wanted to wear a tux, but I didn't get my act together in time to find one. So I've decided I'm not a Bond girl. I am a Bond villain, disguised as a Bond girl.
1: But Red the Fury does sound Fury. like a great Bond villain, right? Red
4: Fury. You yeah, know, yeah, who needs Bond Honor fan.
1: Blackman when you've got Alicia Malone <laughs> as a Pussy Bond Galore villain? Yes. And you've got
4: Red Fury.
1: Red Fury, I sounds, must be dreaming. Sounds
4: wrong. <laughs> well, James Bond, I mean, such an interesting character. The, the most famous fictional spy around, the M16 agent, uh, 007. Created, of course, by Ian Fleming and as you said, the longest-running franchise, also the third-highest-grossing movie franchise ever, 24 official movies in total over five decades, and over $5 billion when you adjust for inflation.
1: When you adjust for inflation. Actually, when you look at the number of novels that Ian Fleming wrote, there were just 12 of them, Yeah, and there were 24 official movies, two of them unofficial like Never Say Never Again and the other version of Casino Royale. But this is a character, this is a spy that has not just thrived, but endured and evolved. I mean, what's your take on why this character has stayed so relevant over the past 53 years?
4: Well, it's, it's kind of an amazing gift that they ended up changing actors, because every time they bring in a new actor, it gives it a whole new fresh feel. Yeah. Six actors in total. Of course, I'll always love Sean Connery. It's my favorite, but I do like what they've done with the franchise to move with the times. It's so fun as well. I mean, it's it's interesting when you watch all these movies again, and we'll talk about this during the during the show. But you watch it and you go, okay. A lot of these are very much of their time, particularly with the treatment of women.
2: Yes, <laughs> not always
4: uh, the best in, in that respect. But they do have uh, a lot of fun things going on. The gadgets. The, the martinis. The quotes. The quotes, the the glamorous lifestyles, the exotic location, the evil villains in the <laughs> hilarious lairs and the henchmen. And, of course, Austin Powers did it so well, yeah, making parodies yeah. of this.
1: Not only have you had so many spy movies and spy characters that were influenced by James Bond, like Mission Impossible back in the 60s and, of course, the movies, like The Man From U.N.C.L.E. back in the 60s in that movie as well. But you have the spoofs like Austin Powers (laughs) and even Spy with Melissa McCarthy, which was a big hit over the summer. Mm -hmm. But it all comes back to Bond. This is a, a character that's been played officially six times by six different actors, always reinventing himself, staying current, staying fresh, and always acknowledging the changing of the times, like in GoldenEye when M played by Judy Dench for the first of seven times was telling Pierce Brosnan's Bond, you are a relic. The Cold mm-hmm. War is over. But they reinvented that character again and they did it again amazingly with Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. It's just fantastic. Yeah,
4: and again with Skyfall and again with Spectre, which we won't spoil anything for the people who haven't seen Spectre yet, but I thought one thing I liked about it was the way that they looked at the modern themes yep. mixed with the classic old Bond.
1: And also that was a film that tied together all of Daniel Craig's adventures as James Bond. Yeah. While maybe leaving the door open for a fifth one that he may or may not do. Who knows? Who knows? But if he does end at four, he would tie with Pierce Brosnan, who also did four films. But uh, you know, a lot of people, I noticed, especially on Facebook and on Twitter, a lot of them picked their favorite Bond, not movie, but their favorite actor to play Bond was contingent on the one that they grew up with. Mm. So where does that leave you with just your favorite Bond?
4: Well, technically, I should be like Timothy Dalton or <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> Roger, Roger. but I have to say I love Sean Connery, probably because that was the first Bond film I'd ever seen. My first blood was Dr. No.
1: That was your first blood? Yeah,
4: I'm sure I saw bits of of Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan here and there, but Dr. No is the first Bond film I remember seeing from start to
0: end. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy,
4: And I loved it. It Just growing up in a house where we watched a lot of classic movies.
1: So it was was not in the cinema. It
4: wasn't in the cinema. No, it was either on TV or on VHS. I can't remember which one. But (laughs) I remember sitting down and watching it all. And so I think that's why Sean Connery will always be my favorite James Bond?
1: Well, I'm in a minority here because my favorite James Bond is the one that I grew up with. That would be Roger Moore. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't think Roger Moore gets the credit that he deserves because a couple of his films were a little too cheesy. There was too much of a wink. Yeah. But the first James Bond movie, my first blood, was The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. And, you know, this was a time when I saw Star Wars, Close Encounters. I thought all movies were supposed to be like that. I didn't realize that the Spy Who Loved Me was the biggest Bond they had ever done in terms of production up to that point. Of course, mm-hmm. they would top it, you know, the following two years with Moonraker. But I loved Roger Moore. He was—I thought he was a dangerous Bond, but I also thought that he was—he was having fun with it and yeah. he was charming very and he was slob, very tongue in cheek. And I like that because in the <laughs> end, you can't take this stuff too seriously. No. And for let's see, seventy-seven and eight-year-old. It was the perfect kind of film to introduce me to Bond. And the funny thing is about that movie was I saw it with my parents at the Eric Baderwood Theater just outside Philadelphia. And we were standing in line back when you had to wait in line for tickets. And I had to go to the bathroom really bad. So I went in the theater. The guy let me in. And while I was in theater, I peeked in and I saw the end of the film. Uh. And I was like, I walked outside. I said to my dad, I said, why is he making out with a girl in a little boat?
4: And he's like, ah, oh, son! You like, he was so disappointed end. that I blew the ending. <laughs> that was so funny. Well, a lot of people watching live on YouTube say that their first blood was Goldeneye, so that uh, Pierce Brosnan was their first Bond. Interesting. Although Giant Duan, I hope I say that rightly, <laughs> said, said uh, correctly, I should say, He said, my first Bond movie was Octopussy, which was great. Timothy Huzak says, License to Kill is a badass movie, and Bill Polohan, he says Goldfinger is his favorite.
1: There you go. Everybody's got a favorite Bond, a favorite movie. Just goes to show you just how how the characters just appeal to so many people, and these movies have appealed to so many people over the years. Yeah. But that brings us to number five on our Fast Five for James Bond, which is.
3: You did want me to drop in.
1: <laughs> ah, The Spy Who Loved Me, just what we were just talking about. Released in the UK on July 13, 1977. Directed by Lewis Gilbert, who directed three James Bond films. The cost of this movie for, for 1977, a very big deal, cost more than Star Wars, was $14 million. Total worldwide box office was $186 million. Three Oscar nominations for this one, including Song, Score, and Art and Set decoration.
4: Well, the song Nobody does, does It, it Better, better it's
1: one of the by Carly
4: Simon. And one of the best and one of the few to not feature the, the film's title as its chorus line.
1: Right. You know, and I was like, actually, that was the thing. It's like during the credits, when I, which I saw before the rest of the movie, because yeah. uh, my mom was singing the song in the car on the way. I'm like, what are you singing? And then I realized she was singing the mom <laughs> But, you know, the a lot of people do feel, and we got this on Facebook, too, a lot of people feel, and I've read a lot, that their favorite James Bond with Roger Moore was For Your Eyes Only. Because Mm -hmm. after the big spectacle that was Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only brought Bond back to basics. It made him get real and gritty again, just like the Connery days. But the great thing about The Spy Who Loved Me is it has all that and it does have the spectacle and the gadgets and the underwater lair. Oh,
4: I know. It's got some cheesy one-liners in there. Um, Like that one. Tell him to pull out immediately. Yeah, right. Cut to James Bond with a gal. It's got the, the Bond girl Agent Triple X.
1: <laughs> agent Triple X. Play by
4: name Future
1: Barbara Mrs. Back. Ringo Starr, Barbara Bach. Barbara Bach. She's like,
4: She was a good I like management. in the opening scene how uh Bond is with a girl and then it cuts to her and she's with a guy. She's I mean with a guy. she is one of the, the few that was his equal sexually, I think. You know, she had her own thing going on. She was also had the capability. She was also an agent, a KGB mm. agent. Um so she matched him in that way and this was during, you know, women's liberation. So you could see women they have a bit more sexual power out there. Um I like the ski chase scene. The ski chase scene is
1: fantastic. <laughs> amazing.
4: I love the big free fall and then the union jack comes up at the end. Okay, you're, now so you just great. you
1: just brought me to my right stuff, but we'll get to that in <laughs> a second. But you know what this movie has, Leash? Jaws.
4: Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Jaws, it has Richard Keeler's Jaws. This is the introduction of the ultimate Bond henchman, Jaws, who chews sharks with steel teeth, and he it hasn't really been matched in terms of Bond henchmen. I don't think for me, no. he is the ultimate one. Like
1: well, when you think of Bond henchman, you think of Our Job, mm-hmm. and you think of Jaws. Jaws, yeah, and you know Jaws had a bigger role in, this, in the film that followed Moonraker. But this movie was almost directed by Steven Spielberg. They approached him to direct it but at the time he was still in post-production on another movie and he wanted to see how quote-unquote that little fish film would do with the box (laughs) office
4: and it did really really well obviously um i think that this is one of the new movies you could watch if you wanted to see one bond film and you'd only seen austin powers movies (laughs) you could watch this one it almost has all the elements that they make fun of in the austin powers but it embraces the silliness and it has a lot of fun with it that's what i like
1: and you have a villain who wants to start a whole new civilization underwater and then in the next film you have a you have a villain who wants to start a whole new civilization in space i know
4: and i love stromberg the villain how he uh, lets people out the trap door to the sharks underneath
1: well they they apparently were going to that that was supposed to be blow-filled But I think they just got tired of using both. and just wanted to do a different thing. Interestingly, The Spy Who Loved Me was the very last film that Elvis Presley saw before he passed away in August 1977. That's very, very interesting (laughs) trivia. That is interesting. And Isaac Sage, a profiler, says, Spy Who Loved Me found a perfect balance between the Austin Powers-ish tone of the later Moore films, which you just pointed out, and the genuine fun of the Connery films. Jaws is a fantastic henchman, second only to Job. And Barbara Box X is stunning and smart. A perfect Bond girl. Also, Stanley Cooper ghost-directed a scene in the film, according to a rumor. And you can't go wrong with that. I didn't know really? that.
2: Really? I didn't That's know that. That's a good rumor. I wonder
1: which scene
4: that was. Well, speaking about right stuff, is that your one, yeah, the ski I mean, scene?
1: Well, the ski scene, I was going to go with the ski scene in... On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. But the ski scene in Furious Only did top that because he goes off the cliff, there's no music, yeah. <laughs> and it's all like in real time, there's no cuts to it. <laughs> he
4: free falls a long way. That
1: scene, uh, they waited for 10 days before the right weather conditions allowed them to shoot it. The scene alone cost $500,000 to make. And uh, because I, I thought that you might go with that scene, my backup scene uh, for Right Stuff was the scene in the beginning of For Your Eyes Only mm-hmm. where where Moore, Moore's Bond turns the tables on Blofeld with the helicopter and drops him in the uh, factory chute. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was really great. What's your Right Stuff?
4: My Right Stuff is actually a more recent one from Casino Royale, the opening scene, the parkour chase scene in right. Madagascar in Africa, because that really, to me, signaled a brand-new Bond, grittier Bond. More realistic Bond, but still exciting, still thrilling, still in an exotic location. But it was our first look at Daniel Craig as James Bond, and he was relentless in his pursuit of this henchman and just jumping from crane to crane. And, and it was just for me, being scared of falling and scared <laughs> of heights, I thought it was really scary. But I just, it was so exciting an exciting action set piece.
1: Well, after 53 years, 24 official films. We could just have a last detail for two hours just on James Bond, but tell me some of the interesting details that you discovered in your research for James Bond profiles. Well, I
4: didn't realize that James Bond was actually never Scottish until Sean Connery played him in the role. And then they made his background to be Scottish for Sean Connery. And that exists even today. They talk about, in Skyfall, they talk about his Scottish history.
1: Well, did you know, Alicia, that Dr. No, when it had its UK premiere on October 5th, 1962, it was the same exact day that the Beatles oh, released something. their very first single, Love Me Do. So you have James Bond and the <laughs> Beatles, both got their start on the same day. The two biggest exports since, like, people came to America. Yeah. And and they both happened on the same day, and they're both enduring to this day. I think that's really cool.
4: <laughs> I knew it would be something with the Beatles. <laughs> um, did you know that the character was named James Bond after an ornithologist Ian Ian Fleming thought it was the dullest name he'd ever heard, so he wanted something that was just very flat and very unassuming.
1: He actually, his quote to that, because I had the same thing, of course, uh, he said, quote, I wanted him to be a blunt instrument. When I was casting around for a name, I thought, by God, James Bond is the dullest name I ever heard. (laughs) Well, another thing that's kind of interesting around the time, and this is before the first James Bond movie, even uh, a film, is that uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy, was a fan of the novels, and at a party in 1960 with Ian Fleming, he asked Ian Fleming for some advice on how to defeat Fidel Castro. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was joking or not, but but he responded with, uh, with a plan to irradiate his beard so he would have to shave off the beard. Castro would have to shave off the beard and he would lose like that mojo that he had <laughs> with his power. followers. Yeah, I mean, it's a, <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but it's, it's a good talking point.
4: Well, did you know that Bond has killed 362 people on screen? That's not including Spectre. So, because this was... Counted before Spectre. I'm not sure how many he killed in Spectre. But who do you think was the deadliest Bond of all?
1: The deadliest killed Bond of all? Killed the most. Uh, Which actor? Uh, I'm going to go with Brosnan.
4: Yeah, Pierce no Brosnan. How many? Four films, and, and he killed the most. I didn't write down exactly how many. But he killed the most out of any Bond.
1: You know, his movies are so... They, they were so... The, Consistently, the four films that Pierce Brosnan did, I think they get overlooked and I think we definitely got to show love to Pierce Brosnan uh, mm-hmm. with his movies, particularly Goldeneye and I did like Die Another Day even though it was a bit over the top but uh, but let's take a break for one second just to take care of some very, very important business. Go for it. Okay, this is important. Just like you have helped continue James Bond for 53 years, please help us continue profiles for the next 53 years <laughs> and the only way to do that is by going to iTunes the subscribing to profiles on iTunes and make sure you rate and review us on iTunes so we can get back on the film and TV podcast lists. Mm -hmm. Uh, So be sure to do that and go to youtube.com backslash Popcorn Talk Network. Subscribe to our YouTube version. Share our YouTube version of profiles with your friends so people can really catch on. Let's Make Profiles Go Viral. Go to our (laughs) Facebook page which is Profiles with Malone and Mance. Like our Facebook page so that you could see, well, first of all, who we're profiling next, but also join in on the fun. And you could see that we're reading comments from people who chime in on their favorite movies. And make sure that you also chime in with, uh, with uh, going to tpublic.com backslash user backslash profiles yep. and get your profiles t shirts. <laughs> yes, that's right. Because we sure have a whole bunch of them to, to sell. They're all really, really cool. Now here and then, it comes. Definitely definitely make sure you follow us on Twitter there go. At, Alicia Malone, <laughs> at, Mance, at Alicia Malone at movie Mance at Alicia Malone at movie at
4: Alicia Malone at movie Mance. sorry if I'm wearing headphones
1: it is
3: all about the pause <laughs> all right
4: well let's keep going with our fast five at number four is
3: you're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen
0: <laughs> I think my mouth
4: is too big
3: no, it's the right size. Oh. For me that is.
2: <laughs>
1: from Russia with love. Yeah. Great film. I uh, watched it again over the week and it holds up so so well even though it's from Russia with love. Released on October eleventh, nineteen sixty-three in the UK, came out in April sixty-four in the USA. Cost two million, dollars <laughs> compared to almost $300 million for Spectre, but it cost $2 million, which was double the budget of Dr. No. Total box office worldwide, this is 1963, $78.9 million worldwide. Wow. That is a lot of money. Directed by Terrence Young, who directed three Bond movies, including Dr. No. And a, just John Barry's score throughout the series, up until he passed away, mm. is just fantastic. The
4: classic Bond theme. I mean, this was the second Bond, of course, the second one with Sean Connery, and in this one uh, Spectre wants to avenge the killing of Dr. No. They set Bond up with a a Russian consulate clerk to to steal something, a ledger. I don't even really know what that is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, the henchman is Red Grant, who is also a great henchman, because he he really could uh, stand up to James Bond and uh, I love the scene, obviously the big fight scene on big the train the on Orient the Orange Express. It's yep. awesome to watch.
1: It's awesome. It keeps going. Keeps
4: going. And the
1: thing about for your uh, from Russia with Love is is you know, it was a second film, so they were starting to think they, they, they were still on the on their rise. They were
4: starting to develop that template.
1: That template you have Q with some yeah. gadgets, you have the opening.
4: Yeah, that was the first time we saw Q.
1: The first time Desmond does and he played uh, Q I think seventeen times. With very
4: low fi gadgets, like the uh, the briefcase.
1: Yeah, but He's it was twist. still setting up the gadgets. And the thing about Connery as Bond in that film is it was a raw performance. You know, Bond was dangerous, but still charming. Mm-hmm. It was a gritty, physical film uh, performance. Established Bond as a man of action, I'm obviously a, a man of romance as well. Smooth, charming, and dangerous. And again, the fight scene with Red on the on the, the train with uh, Red Grant. And uh, this is actually, of all the films that he did as Bond, it was... It was Connery's personal favorite,
4: and it's also pretty uh, a low key plot. Even it feels more like a Hitchcock or inspired or a John le Carré novel. Totally something that's like more kind of self contained than the big flashy Bond scenes. But of course, they have Spectre, and if you've seen Austin Powers, then that's where they get like number three, number five,
1: the cat, but Spectre, the cat, and the felt head hair,
4: the um. What's it called? The knife in the, the shoe?
1: Yeah. Tick,
4: little magic. But it's pretty brutal at times, this movie.
1: Can you imagine, like, like now that we've rewatched so many of these movies, going back and rewatching Austin Powers? I want to now. I know. Like, it'd actually be really, really Just funny. Just
4: reminds you of all the things.
1: Well, From Russia with Love is the last James Bond film that Ian Fleming ever saw. And Time Magazine, in their review back in 1964, said it was a fast, smart, truly directed, and capably performed Bond movie, and it, it definitely deserving uh, so many people. Even my dad, I remember years and years ago, he said how much he loved From Russia With Love. It was his favorite film.
4: It's a cat and mouse game, and I think something that reminds me of Hitchcock is the helicopter chase scene. feels a little bit north by northwest. It definitely does. Yeah, it feels like it's inspired by that, and... Uh, You know, as we're saying, it's, this is Bond film before it, the template, which really, really defined it. But I really enjoyed watching it. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. Me I think either. I'd only seen it once before.
1: That, me too. And I really
4: <laughs> liked watching it again.
1: Well, uh, Sam Hollis feels that from Rush with Love too often goes unmentioned in the discussion of Sean Connery's Bond films and Bond films in general. It introduces many of the elements that became iconic to Bond and the spy genre. It also features, in my opinion, Connery's best performance as Bond and one of my personal favorite henchmen and henchwoman in Red Grant and Rosa Klebb. Yeah, uh, The plot feels grounded, intricate, and raw. If Hitchcock ever made a Bond film, you just hmm. talked about him, I believe from Russia with Love would have been the closest to his interpretation as it feels mysterious and suspenseful and it is beautifully shot. Thank you, Profiles, Malone and Nance. I appreciate your opinions and positive presentation of brilliant films so much.
4: Oh, thanks, Sam. And Morgan Robinson says, From Russia with Love is something else entirely to me. I don't know whether it's just me, but this is such an entertaining and brilliant film. Connery, by far the best Bond, is at his best. Tatiana, the Bond girl, is one of the more memorable even though she can't compete in terms of name with Pussy Galore or (laughs) Honey Rider. And uh, Lot, as the ruthless Rosa Klebb, is outstanding. Then of course we get to Red Grant, played by the wonderful Robert Shaw who is such a brutal villain that the only time you ever feel Bond might lose is when he fights Grant on the Orient Express.
1: Well, what would a James Bond movie... Be without a great James Bond theme.
4: Yeah. That
1: brings us to our best Bond themes. What are your favorites?
4: Goldfinger. Goldfinger! <laughs> wow! It's my favorite. Shirley Bassey. So big and bold and brassy, and it just really suits that movie so much.
1: I just love that call and and and, and playback, you know, yeah. Goldfinger. Wow!
4: Well, of
1: course, you know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> yeah, you
4: know, the Paul McCartney one? Yes! Yeah. Uh,
1: live and live, die! Die! now here's the thing Live and Let Die is the best Bond theme song in my opinion because it's the only one that really really rocks Mm -hmm. was produced by George Martin who produced all the Beatles songs this is one of Paul McCartney's best songs as good as anything he ever did with the Beatles he's been performing this song live as a showstopper you know close to the end for his encore since 1975 (laughs) every time you know the whole stage just like you know ignites on fire it's so great yeah
4: it's a great song a view to a kill. What about Duran Duran?
1: I love Duran. Let's give it up for Duran Duran.
4: 1985, and the the bassist from Duran Duran approached Cubby Broccoli at a party and was like, why don't you ever get some popular musicians to do a theme song? Mm. So then they did that one.
1: Well, I know we talked about it just a it's bit, cool. but Nobody does it better. Carly Simon. Carly Simon, like you said, the first Bond theme that didn't have the title of the film as a title of the song. It's such a great melody, great lyrics, and it's, I think it's the best sort of traditional Bond theme when you think of just, you know, the 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 slower songs mm-hmm. you know obviously living Let the Eye is not a slow song but what else
4: what about diamonds second time doing a bond theme that was from 1971 yep. another big brassy bold theme that just i love hearing pumping up loud
1: which what, what was her third
4: oh it was uh ch- 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 forgotten.
1: Moonraker! Oh, that's right. Moonraker. <laughs> Moonraker sounds a lot like gold.
4: Singer. Finger!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Skyfall.
4: Skyfall! Skyfall! She so Adele. many great
1: things to say about Skyfall. And she,
4: she reminds me of Shirley Bassey with that, that voice that she, she has. So powerful.
1: Absolutely killed it. It was it was a throwback to the best of Shirley Bassey, which yeah. was always the best. that
4: opening credit scene is brilliant. Too. We were at
1: that screening, which was at the uh, I remember it was at the Grove in like October of two thousand twelve. Yes, well, yeah. And you know, we were just I just remember watching that movie, you know, just even you know the opening credits were great with the whole take the shot thing. And then when they played the opening theme and you know, with the titles and you know the and
4: going into the water. It, it and,
1: was yeah. like I just was sitting forward go, now this feels like a Bond film.
4: Yeah, it's so kind of great. Awesome. So, good, so, so many good.
3: others, but we gotta move on.
4: Our fast five number three is
3: This never happened to the other fella. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, I was hoping you would use that one. High five right here. Yes, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, released December 18th, 1969, directed by Peter Hunt. His only Bond film cost $7 million to make. Box office was $65 million worldwide. Bit of a dip compared to some of the other films, but still pretty damn impressive. Golden Globe nomination for Most Promising Newcomer, George Lazenby, who was the youngest actor to ever play Bond at 29 years old.
4: Yeah, and the second actor. This was the first time they switched the sixth Bond film in the franchise, and this is the Aussie Bond. He's an Australian (laughs) unknown actor and model who came into this role and had big shoes to fill with Sean Connery. But this movie is incredible. I mean... I I think it's one of the best uh, written movies. It's Definitely. got the most interesting plot. It's got uh, Blofeld. It's got the fembots, like the <laughs> agents of death. Uh, Schultz Blofeld wants to poison the world's food supply, which doesn't quite make sense. But this is the one where Bond marries... And he cries. And, and it's the most romantic Bond and I think the most emotional performance from Bond until Daniel Craig with the uh, Cena Royale.
1: Absolutely. Well, I was going to go one step further than that and say it's the most personal James Bond film until Skyfall. Skyfall, yeah. And that's what just makes it so great. Now, at the time, 1969, five straight films with Connery. He was already a legend. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was going to fill his shoes would have a really, really tough time. But the great thing about perspective and reevaluation is the kind of, Love and respect and appreciation that on her Majesty's Secret Service now gets. It is widely hailed as one of the best films, not just by us mm-hmm. but by everyone.
4: And it's one you should watch before you see Spectre because it has a lot of connections. It definitely with does. Spectre.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. But but it is so. There's so much going on. It, it like basically ties all of Connery's films together with throwbacks to his the gadgets and some of the themes. Like somebody's whistling the Goldfinger theme in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it brings is, out
4: all the gadgets.
1: The weddings. They scene. change
4: the themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
1: keep changing the and themes. And
4: Tracy is is a great Bond girl because Diana Rick. She has the most personality that we'd seen up to that point, and still, I think one of the few that has the most substance to her.
1: And she also gave Bond a run for his money. Man, she was she his dies. match and she dies. <laughs> right. So, spoiler alert, she dies.
4: But <laughs> she's just having a rest. You
1: know, the she's thing that a rest. got got it to me, it the thing me. that got to me watching the movie is is the end of the film, you know, before that happens at the wedding, you know, to see Q and M Happy and unguarded, mm-hmm. with their you know they let their guard down, and they're just happy that James Bond is getting Money married.
4: Penny's
1: Money Penny, Money Penny, is lost. crying. <laughs> I know. She's crying, and like when he throws his hat to her, like it was like, Oh, like, poor Money Penny.
4: And it kind of feels like an anomaly within the Bond franchise, but at the same time, it does, as you say, tie them all together. It doesn't completely disregard the other Bond movies, right? And I, I like that you know tongue in cheek moment at the, the start. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah just that so look so down great. the barrel of the camera. Little and of course, wink.
1: great music by John Barry and a great theme song we have all the time in the world uh, by Louis Armstrong, the last theme he ever recorded before he passed away. But yeah, Diana Rigg was so great because she was on TV's The Avengers. So, so yeah. she already had that set up as in the spy world. Uh-huh. Um, and poor Money Penny, always the bridesmaid, <laughs> never know. the bride.
4: I feel so sorry for her.
1: But a couple of interesting reviews, not from critics, but from filmmakers. Yes. Like Steven Soderbergh. I write
4: that one down. Read it. Uh, I have, uh, Soderbergh says it's beautiful in a way that none of the other Bond films are. And Christopher Nolan also loves this movie. That's the most. what I was my
1: other one. Yeah. He says it's a tremendous balance of action, scale, romanticism, tragedy, and emotion. Of course, we picked the two same ones. Yes,
4: of course, <laughs> of course. Well, Daniel Epler says, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is an unsung masterpiece. George Lazenby steps into Connery's role quite well, but it's really the script and the direction that elevates this film. it brill- Brilliantly captures who Bond really is, right down to his toughness, his charm, his womanising, his skill with gambling. Plus, Diana Rigg is just delightful. She's my favourite Bond girl, and clearly Bond's as well as she's the only one he married. And all that makes the ending much more painful and powerful. Great film. I know, it's, what about the uh, Louis Armstrong film? We have all the time in the world. We have all the
1: time in the world. It's a great and theme. Jumped. It's different than all the other themes that followed it, or that yeah. preceded it and followed it. And uh, let's see. Stephen Trotter says, The best Bond film is the most overlooked of the series, not by profiles. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, it delivers such a fascinating look at Bond as we watch him fall in love while on a personal mission to track down his arch nemesis, Blofeld. Mm-hmm. The action is so fluid and well-directed, but perfectly matched with so many character personal, and quieter moments that really give us a look into the into Bond as a character. Diana Rigg is such a fantastic Bond girl with self-determination and personality that make her so much more than the typical Bond girl. The film could have had her as the main character, and it would have been just as interesting and entertaining. Well, thank you, Stephen Trotter.
4: And watching live on YouTube, people are talking about who they'd like to see as the next Bond, if Daniel Craig does indeed retire.
1: How many people uh, say Idris Elba?
4: I haven't even seen... I haven't seen an Idris Elba. I have seen... Uh, Arkham City Rules says, Hope it's Michael Fassbender. Morgan Robinson says, I heard rumors of Damian Lewis. Um, and Patrick Beatty says, Tom Hardy could be cool too. But uh, Joshua Price makes a good point, says, To be honest, most bonds are unknown knowns before the role, so they should try to do that again.
1: Uh, it's actually a really, really good idea. I mean, who would you... Like, what known actor would you want to... Yeah, let's get someone new.
4: Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of Idris. I think he's stylish.
1: Well, we already talked about the Best Bond themes. We're going through the Best Bond movies. What about the Best Bond girls? Best
4: Bond girls. Well, we talked about Tracy, played by Diana Rigg, uh, as one with the most substance to her. I also like... Despite her unfortunate name, Pussy Galore, no, <laughs> played by right. Anna Blackman and Goldfinger, because she has some skills. You know, she's a pilot. She has the flying circus. Um, she says no to Bond for a while, and then he pretty much forces her to say yes. But anyway, anyway, Honey Rider by uh, Ursula Andress. She's the in- first. Doctor No, that bikini, that entrance, that entrance. She's looking at the shells. Yeah. By the way,
1: did you, you the, Ursula Andrus actually helped design that white bikini? Oh, did she? Yes, I guess if you're going to make so an entrance famous, like that, right? you want to have some control over it. <laughs> Super famous. Oh, uh, that entrance. But uh, you know, uh, Money Penny, my Naomi Harris yep, in Eve. Skyfall. She's just Eve. In the beginning of the film, and then you get to the end, and you realize she's money penny. You're like, this money penny doesn't mess around. She is a woman of action. I just
4: wish they'd get her back out to the field. Yes. She, yeah, because the way we'll talk about Skyfall, but the way that that opens with her, like, in there driving, the being a badass, taking a shot. And then you see her in the rest of the movie and in Spectre, not, no spoilers, but not really doing much, just in the background. So I want to see her, like... Kicking butt again. Who else you got? Uh, Vesper Lind. Vesper Lind from Casino Royale. Eva Green. Nice. Casino Royale. Uh, She's smart and sexy. And I also have to say, I liked Jinx Johnson. Halle Berry. She yeah, she was is good. Dying Another, Dying day? Dying Another day was a good was film. Cool. She came had her own bikini scene.
1: Yes, that was a that was a tribute yep. to Doctor No, uh which came out forty years before. And I, I know that this is this is not even close to being one of my favorite bonds, uh Vita Kill, but I do love Grace Jones oh, yeah. as May Day. She talk about a woman who could kick ass, you don't want to mess with her. Yes. Vita would Kill, a last movie from Roger Moore.
4: What about Xena on a top? It's a Famke Janssen oh, in uh, GoldenEye. GoldenEye, yeah. Yeah, uses sex as a weapon. And then there's some, you know, unfortunate names. <laughs> Miss Mary Goodnight, Dr. Holly Goodhead.
1: Dr. Goodhead.
4: <laughs> and Octopussy. And then Dr. Christmas Jones oh, played
2: Denise by... Richards. Denise Richards.
1: The, uh, you know, um, um, The World is Not Enough from 99. Yeah. That was the first Bond movie I ever reviewed.
4: Oh, really? I, yeah,
1: I, I, I liked... Pierce Brosnan's movies uh, I definitely thought Goldeneye and Die Another Day were the better ones but uh, coming down to number two
4: yes on and our fast five
1: is a
3: big one see what she's done to you well she never tied me to a chair <laughs> her loss Wow! Skyfall, Skyfall
2: directed by scene.
1: Sam Mendes, released in uh, November ninth, two thousand twelve. Five Oscar nominations, including cinematography, music, sound mixing. It won two for editing and song Adele. Of course, it's the most nominated Bond film. Cost around two hundred million to make. Total box office worldwide one point one billion dollars worldwide. The only Bond film. <laughs> As of now, to pass the one billion mark, I think Spectre will come close to that, if not pass it. And uh, what a perfect way to celebrate the 50th anniversary, Jane
4: Yeah, Bob. perfect way. It's the 23rd Bond film, Daniel Craig's third, the first directed by Sam Mendez. And that silver played by Javier Bardem. He's Great a villain. truly terrifying villain. Funny at times. Um, he has a personal vendetta against M. This is a very personal Bond film for all the characters involved. You get to learn more about Bond's past, although they do seem to completely wipe out the previous movies and just be like, "Let's uh, start yeah. again with like his background." And well, that's stuff. the
1: thing. That's the thing is that this, to me, Skyfall felt more like a reboot for Bond than Casino Royale. Did. Yeah,
4: great, and it feels kind of like a, a standalone. Bond film almost I mean there's obviously returning characters but yeah it's one that has standalone uh, does bring back Money, Penny, and Q though and it has the best cinematography
1: Roger Deakins <laughs>
4: incredible the best acting and I thought a really really interesting plot very well written particularly that scene that long monologue That Silver does about rats.
1: Oh, so great. Javier Bardem, Oscar winner, obviously, for No Country for Old Men. And
4: Sam Mendes was the first Oscar winning director to direct a James Bond film.
1: Now, uh, because this came out on the 50th anniversary of Bond. When I wrote my review, I I wrote 50 reasons why Skyfall was the best Bond movie since Goldfinger. Not going to read them all, (laughs) but just maybe a couple. Uh, The brilliant, clever, funny, and fresh screenplay effectively pays tribute to Bond's past, his present, and his future and resets the series for the next 50 years while still working as a standalone story, like you just said. It depicts James Bond as a vulnerable, flawed hero, both physically and emotionally, thanks to a final act that makes Skyfall the most moving Bond installment since 1969's On Her Majesty's secret service
4: this is more of a broken bond as well you see him he literally comes back from the dead to come back and and he's not physically fit he doesn't pass all the tests but he's kind of one step behind silver but he ends up beating him um in the end and but it takes a lot it's a lot of loss in there old dog new tricks
1: old dog new tricks but it was also one where i really felt like daniel craig really owned the role yeah, where I really felt like this is the reason why he is the best Bond since since Connery. Even though I still love Roger Moore, but he is the best one since Connery. Yes, you know, I mean, I just appreciate more because I grew up with him. But you yeah. know, and then listen, Tom Thomas Newman, who who's an amazing composer. He composed things like American Beauty. He also composed the theme for uh, for Spectre. Mm-hmm. His Bond theme just felt like a John Barry score. I thought it was fantastic.
4: Yeah, it's such a beautiful film, Skyfall, and I really liked watching it again. It's like, what, two hours, 30 minutes, pretty uh, much, yes. almost, 220? Uh, up,
1: two, up until Spectre, it's the longest running, 220. But it
4: didn't feel the length no, at all. It, it just whizzed by. So much fun. Gabrielle Sales says, Skyfall was my favourite Bond film for oh so many reasons. It's Daniel Craig really coming into his own as James Bond, helmed by the always fantastic Sam Mendes. Also Roger Deakins, the first cinematographer I knew by name, is at the top of his game. The action was tremendous. The villain was great. Also Adele hit it out of the park with the theme song.
1: And Billy Polihan says that, to quote James, to quote, wait, not to quote James Bond, to quote <laughs> Scott Nance, you couldn't have asked for a better way to celebrate the 50th anniversary of James Bond, proving once again that nobody does it better indeed. It looks like somebody read my review, which is which is a shock. Uh, this was the Bond that many people were really surprised to see so well. Uh, everything in this film is what a modern Bond film should have been, with a great story dealing with the threat of cyber terrorism, beautifully shot action, and, of course, top-notch performances from everyone with the best being Daniel Craig and Dame Judi Dench. Villain was really terrifying. Not surprising as Javier Bardem won the Oscar playing a terrifying villain in No Country for Old Men. But one of the best additions is the music written by Thomas Newman and Adele that sets the tone perfectly while also being very catchy. Nobody does it better indeed and whatever comes next is sure to be delightful. Hashtag Film Geek. Hashtag Profile for Life. Hashtag Bond fanatic.
4: Well, Billy Polahan on live uh, YouTube says that uh, did you expect exploding pens which of course is a quote from Skyfall when Q is introduced again and Q is played by Ben Whishaw who's very young And then he gives him just the simple things, and he's like, what, did you expect exploding pens? I thought those little nods to classic Bond was really well done because Sam Mendes is such a Bond fan himself. Um, Caitlin Bond says she's seeing Spectre this weekend. Can't wait to see it. Arkham City Rules says my favorite scene from Skyfall was the word association game Bond was doing. You could see the personal Bond come out of him.
1: And speaking of Bonds, we are joined right now by one of the actors to play James Bond In our third, very best James Bond movie of all time on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Joining us now, please welcome George Lazenby is joining us on Profiles. Mr. Lazenby, you are on Profiles with Alicia and Scott. Hello. (laughs) yeah hello hey George Lazenby yes we have James Bond (laughs) on the line Mr. Lazenby we are so happy that you're joining us on profiles on Her Majesty's Secret Service is just one of the very best James Bond films of all time you're on profiles with Scott and Alicia tell us why you think this film still holds up as one of the best Bond movies ever
3: well, I could say because I was in it, <laughs> <laughs> well, we agree, yeah, yeah, and uh, no, it's one of the best books on majesty's secret service and when i I was a bond fan uh back in uh, when Dr. No came out, and I read all the bond books, and I remember reading on Majesty's Secret Service, and I was crying when she got shot, oh mm. yeah. And, uh, in the film, I was crying with these huge crocodile tears, and, uh, Peter Hunt, the director, who I didn't get along with, um, said, James Bond doesn't cry, cut the tears. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't as good an end scene as I could have made it.
4: I love that scene. And we were just talking about that before. It's, uh, it's such a personal scene. It's so romantic. It's, it's the emotional Bond that we don't get to see very often. Uh, but can you tell us about when you first met the producers and how you came to be cast as James Bond? By the way, I'm excited because I'm talking to the Aussie Bond.
1: Yeah, you got an Australian <laughs> here.
3: <laughs> well, to, to cut a long story short, a friend of mine wanted to go out with a casting director because he wanted to be an actor. And I'd never acted or spoken in front of a camera in my life. I'd done some male modeling, and he was a male model as well. And he said, could you do me a favor? My girlfriend's come back into town. I've got a date with his casting director. Uh, She's an agent, and she's the biggest agent in London. I said, sure. So I took it to a screening, because that's how all the famous people see movies in those days. And there was the Rolling Stones and John Lennon and Mick Jagger, and I'm looking at all these people thinking, wow, i would never been that close to any famous person. And I won't tell you what happened, but about a week later, I went back to Paris and she called me going into a girl's place that I didn't even know I was going into that night. And she answered the phone and says, Patu, meaning you. And uh, I said, who could it be? And it's Maggie Abbott this agent from London she said you got to get back to London straight away I, they're having trouble finding this uh, role, uh, part for a guy that's just like you are and I said what do you mean like me he's all he's got that self-assurance kind of arrogance you have <laughs> 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 and so uh, yeah and I said what's the role she said well I can't tell you on the phone you got to come back so I hung up and forgot about it and then I got back to London and Ken Garrity, the guy that set me up with the date, said, um, what did Maggie want you for? I said, I don't know. she called me and wouldn't tell me. So I didn't bother going and seeing her. She said, come on, let's go see her. And we went over to her office and she made Ken wait outside while she told me what the role was. And, uh, anyway, uh, I went to the casting people and I couldn't get into casting because I wasn't in the union. So they threw me out. And I said, Maggie, they won't let me in. She said, of course they won't. You've got to get in. Get into Dyson Lovell's office. And so meanwhile, I saw the guys all had short hair. I had long hair and sideburns at this stage. And so I went and got my hair cut where Connery got his hair
2: cut. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs>
3: yeah. I knew where it was because I used to be a car salesman on that street. And Kurt the barber, he uh, told me that Connery comes in here from time to time. So I went there and that's when Cubby Broccoli was sitting in a seat behind me <laughs> and he made up a story that I was discovered in a barber shop. He didn't even remember that he saw me there, but he did say to Kurt the barber that, um, that guy'd make a good bond as I was walking out. He's probably a successful businessman because I'd already gotten one of his Connery suits, a Rolex watch and his haircut. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. <laughs> well, what was it? So uh, I waited until the, I waited until the girl ducked under a desk for something and I, I screamed past her up the stairs, and I leaned against the door of Dyson Lovell's office. Now, if he hadn't have been talking to Harry Saltzman at the time on the phone, I wouldn't have got past him, because he's quite clever. He's a casting director. He would have found out I was not an actor. So I just stood there with my arms folded with my Rolex showing, and he, he was on the phone. He put his hand over the mouthpiece. He said, who are you? <laughs> and I said, I heard you're looking for James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow,
4: <laughs> that's so sweet. And he
3: said, uh, "Harry, there's a guy here, blah blah blah." And Harry said, "Bring him over." So anyway, I went over to his office and uh, and I started to get uh, a little nervous because he was a really tough guy, Harry Folsman. And he, first of all, he pointed to a chair in front of his feet. He had his feet up on the desk, and I thought, "Screw that! I'm not going to sit down in that chair. His feet are right there." So I went over and looked out the window because <laughs> he was on the phone. And then he got off the phone, he came over to me and he said, uh, tell me your life story. And I just told Dyson Lovell all this baloney about me being an actor in Hungary and China and places I thought they couldn't check on. (laughs) And and he says, uh, I just told him, let him tell you. And he told me later, those two things really got his attention. Because normally if he points to something, the actor will jump there and go there. Or he says, what do you do? You'll spill out all this dialogue. And I just said, I just told him, let him tell you, because I couldn't remember what I told him it was all lies. Well, what, so, was, uh,
1: what was it, what was interrupt him. Like, you know, what was it like to to follow? I mean, you know you're talking about playing bond, but you had to follow Sean Connery, who played him five times. I mean, were you inhibited by that at all? Were you nervous, or were you just like, "Yeah, let's go for it.
3: This is uh, may sound he gets but I didn't even think of it. I thought uh, when I got the job, which was after four months of testing the biggest film test in history, by the way. It's, they saw three thousand odd guys and three hundred tested on film, and it went on for years. You know, so and then I come along and I can't even speak English. You know, I had an Australian accent. Good aye, mate. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I used to sway when I walked, and it was no good for um, for film because you just go right across the screen every time you move, and so in uh, cinemascope. So meanwhile, I had to change my walk, change my accent, and get them to accept a male model. They thought they'd be the laughing stock of the industry <laughs> if uh, they gave the job to me. And but Peter Hunt, who I was still talking to at that stage, he uh, said, "No, I want this guy. He's perfect because he could also tell me what to do. I didn't know what to do." And for, and I did all my own stunts except the uh, serious skiing where they, uh, the insurance company canceled me out for skiing because that was in the script. But all the rest of the stunts, I did all the fighting, all the jumping from heights and all that stuff. Wow. And the stuntman said to Peter Hunt one day, you can hurt this guy. What? Does...? He said, that's fine. We hurt him. We get another shot with someone else.
4: <laughs> well, we're talking about that last scene. What do you remember about working with Diana Rigg?
3: Diana? Yeah. Well, Diana, Diana and I had a funny situation. I used to be a chess player with my uncle. He was bedridden and uh, her boyfriend was a chess guy. And we're in his place one day and he said, Do you play chess? I said, Sure. So he was walking around the room casually while I was checkmating him. He said, What? So he sat down, then took a serious Go at me, and he still couldn't beat me. He threw the board up in the air, mm. and I think that impressed Diana because before that she thought, Who is this Yahoo from Australia? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and she, we got to uh Switzerland, she said, You know, uh, you want to have anything to do with me, you're not to mess around with any of the other girls. I thought, Fair enough, but I didn't have any intention of not messing around with the other girls
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so. She caught me out, put it that way. And that was the end of our romance. And, you know, we just worked together. uh, Peter Hunt, you know, told her and Kelly to help me out with my acting. And after I did the first scene, they just said, he doesn't need any help. I don't know whether they didn't want to help me or they thought I didn't need any help. But they never gave me any tips.
1: Well, what were the scenes that were the most challenging to film? I mean, this is a very physical role. I mean, you got the fist fights, you got the car chase, you got the bobsled chase, you got you got uh, uh, the the skiing scene. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to go from and
4: the emotional scene
1: and the emotional scenes too. It's physically and emotionally grueling. Like, what was the most challenging scene to film, and what were your favorites?
3: Well, the the first scene was shot after six months of shooting. The first scene you see in the movie where I'm fighting on the beach.
2: Mm-hmm. We'd already
3: done six months in Switzerland, and that was in Portugal. I did six weeks in Portugal. Well, three months, uh, six weeks there and six weeks in the studio. So it was a nine-month shoot. And I was, um, you know, I, I, Peter Hunt and I didn't get along. That's another story.
2: But <laughs>
3: he would only give me one take on each angle. And I'd say, that was a terrible, I was terrible in that scene, Peter. He say, "Don't worry, we're covering it for another shot, another uh, another angle." And so um, I just just you know went through it the best I could. I didn't have any nervousness about it for some reason, probably because I didn't know whether I was good or bad or indifferent. <laughs> I just did what I did.
2: Hmm.
3: And I know I went to 20 years of acting classes
2: afterwards.
3: (laughs) I know I I could have done it a lot better if I had that experience, but I didn't. So, uh, you know, apart from they taught me how to breathe, how to speak English, how to uh, walk. uh, And, you know, occasionally I'd fall into my old style and Peter Hunter would say, telling him to walk like Prince Philip, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be staggering down the hallway. <laughs> you know, my, uh, I don't walk that way. You know, I don't talk that way normally, but I did get a, uh, you know, I can do accents now. I can do American or English or Australian. Not mm-hmm. that anyone cares or ever, ever wanted me to do. Uh, you know, I thought I was a, a first-class actor after 20 years of training. But nobody hired me. I was sort of forgotten about.
4: Oh, well, we love uh, love watching you as James Bond on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And people are watching live now, and they're really excited to hear from you. And one question that people want to know is what is your personal favourite James Bond film? Do you have one that you like to watch?
3: I like Goldfinger. And obviously Dr. No, because the first one. I'll tell you a funny story. I was in Canberra, Australia... Yeah, Which it's where what I'm what from.
4: It? It's where I was born. Oh, That's, my gosh.
2: How,
3: how is it cool is really? that? Yeah. And I, I went to the Monica Cinema there and she dropped it out in and I went in with this girl who I had 90% chance of getting lucky with going in <laughs> wow. and 10% coming out because <laughs> she'd seen John Connery. blew her away. And I thought, hmm, if ever that jump comes up.
4: That's so funny. Look fun. out. Yeah, And... <laughs> Good old Monica.
3: Yeah, good old Monica.
1: Well, <laughs> listen, we're we're so grateful that you took the time to call in and to discuss your time as Bond with us here on Profiles. George, Lazenby, B, thank you so much, very very much uh for calling in the Profiles. We are so so grateful. Have a great great day and thank you so much.
3: It was fun talking about myself.
4: Thank you. We loved hearing it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. All Bye.
1: Bye so, thank, you, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: Cheers. Yay! Yay! Well, I love I'm the Aussie but Yeah,
1: that. Hey, what, what he was talking about?
4: Yeah, I love it. He. I didn't even know he was in Canberra at one time. I mean, I wasn't born then, but it was. That was my parents were probably there. That's crazy. And That's I used to so go to Monica cool. Cinema. All the time to watch movies, um, and I really do love seeing George Lazenby as Bond. I mean, one time, one shot. I wish he had another chance to come back.
2: Definitely, yeah. And
4: I love how he seems like James Bond, talking about getting lucky with girls <laughs> yeah. and like going after me, like, I hear you're talking, looking for James Bond. Like, that's awesome. I love those little anecdotes. And, and
1: again, like the way getting that
4: his that hair cut like Sean Connery. That's
1: the, great. I feel like the way people have have come to reevaluate that film and his performance, uh, just because there was so much pressure. And to follow Connery, and yeah. now people see. You know, not so only is a great film, but his performance was actually really, really good, especially yeah. given the circumstance. Given, but yeah. so were other actors in other James Bond films. Yes. Which brings us to the others. Let's show some love to Pierce Brosnan. Shall we? <laughs> yeah.
4: when well, can say Goldeneye. Goldeneye, Eye, yes. Golden nineteen ninety-five, which was Pierce Brosnan's first, wasn't it? Yeah. And it felt fresh. Even though, you know, they had a lot of... um, I I really liked the way, as you mentioned before, how M says you're a Cold War relic. It's really about where the bond is still is still viable relevant. in today's day, relevant. That's what I was looking for in today's day and age. I love that.
1: Well, it was a Bond film that, that for a whole new generation. Uh, it was a return to form after the Dalton years because the two films that he did, you know, they have their admirers and their appreciators, but I don't think the Dalton films are, are strong as the, the Brosnan ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, director Martin Campbell directed this reboot. He also directed, uh, Gold, uh, uh, to, the, to, uh, the to, to, wait, wait, to Casino Royale, that. yeah, as a Daniel Price reboot. <laughs> right. But uh, what are some of the other bonds? Well, that I was you gonna loved? say
4: Casino Royale is excellent. It was a big reboot, a fresh start for James Bond. Martin Campbell. They ditched the silly jokes and misogyny for Born Like you know, grittiness, and he falls in love. I really liked that. And I think after Austin Powers, they couldn't do the tongue and cheek humor. I think it's taken them a while to figure out how to weave humor back in. Spectre is another one that's in the others list, and that has a little bit more humor.
1: That has more humor, too. I don't think Spectre is as good as Skyfall, but I still think it holds its own. I think it's better than Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Not as good as Casino Royale or Skyfall. Worth seeing, if you haven't seen, Spectre, please do so. I think you'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But one Bond film that I have to say that I love, that I think a lot of people really hate, is Moonraker.
4: Moonraker. I actually like it. It's so cheesy, but it's fun. It's so cheesy. It's so fun.
1: I love that line. He goes, Drax. He says, look after Mr. Bond. Yeah. See that some harm comes to him.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like a classic,
1: you know, Evil Bond villain, villain. You know, and this, that line, we're on the gondola, and uh, he's with Dr. Goodhead, and he sees Jaws <laughs> coming the other one, he goes, his name's Jaws, he, he kills people.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so fun it's really cheesy really fun I also like License to Kill from 1989 Timothy Dalton it was his second movie but this feels more like a revenge story than a 007 adventure
1: it doesn't feel like a barn movie
4: it's a you know it's all about uh, Felix's wife gets murdered his new wife and then they go after him so it does feel a lot smaller some of the big Bond movies, and it's nice to have all those different flavors.
1: Another nod for Roger Moore, For Your Eyes Only, 1981. After Moonraker was such a bloated film. It was also a very successful movie, James Bond in Space. There was a lot of pressure to bring Bond back to basics, make him real and gritty again, Mm -hmm. and For Your Eyes Only was the only Roger Moore movie that really, really did that in an effective way. It was Roger Moore's most physical turn as Bond, which is also the reason why it was his least favorite to film.
4: Because <laughs> it was tough.
1: It was tough.
4: Uh, also, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, nineteen eighty-seven. Pierce Brosnan. I think that that is his personal best Bond, although I think his best movie is GoldenEye. I really like Michelle Yeoh and her butt-kicking moves. Like yeah. She did all her own stunts, and she, she was really cool. She upstaged Bond. For sure. She was she great in yeah.
1: Of course, we talked about Dr. No, because it was the one that started it all.
4: The first Bond uh, f- film. Can you imagine it's
1: 1962, and you're going in to see a film just like this for the very first time, and you're no idea what to expect I was trying to put myself in that mind frame watching it again like forget every Bond movie you ever saw Watch this with a fresh set of eyes, mm-hmm. and it, first of all, it holds up really well. And it w- looks great,
4: but I wouldn't have thought that it would be twenty-four films, no. fifty-something years no later, yeah. that people would still be coming out and seeing still Bond films. Doing it, it's so crazy. Well, on our Facebook page, we had the brackets run this week by Billy Pollahan. They did a couple of things. The first one they did with best of, was the best James Bond film. It came down to Casino Royale versus Goldfinger. What do you think one? Goldfinger. Casino Royale, no way. which isn't even in our past five. Five
1: young profilers. Sorry, guys, but
4: profilers <laughs> like Casino Royale as the best James Bond film. They also voted on the best theme song, and it was Live and Let Die, and the best henchman, which was Odd Job. Oh, they did choose Live and Let Die? Yeah, they chose it. Alright! <laughs> yeah, they chose that. Odd job. They chose nice. as their best henchman, best villain, was Blofeld. They were also doing best Bond girl, but I didn't get to see the results. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash profiles with Melona Mance and you'll get to see all the little brackets and fun competitions that they did with each and other. And make
1: sure you like our Facebook page while you're at Profiles with Melona Mance, because yeah. we love when people like our Facebook page. And, well, this brings us to our number <laughs> one movie and our fast. Five. Which is?
3: Do you expect me to talk? <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die.
1: <laughs> the delivery.
4: No, Mr. Mr.
1: Bond, Bond I, expect I expect you to, to
4: die. die. Goldfinger. <laughs>
1: Goldfinger, released on September 18th in the UK, 1964. cost $3 million, up from $2 million to, uh, from Russia with Love. Box office worldwide, $125 million. Woo. In 1964, you could buy an island with that one Oscar win for Best Effects and Sound Effects. And this is the movie where Bond really hit his stride. It got this everything right. It set everything up. It took it to the next level. The yep. better gadgets, the better car, yep. the better music. More, is a more...
4: Crazier villain.
1: A crazier villain, right.
4: Uh, the, uh, yeah, very eccentric super villain and Oric Goldfinger and his uh eccentric sidekick odd job he doesn't speak at all um it's got you know the great bond girl with pussy galore she has skills she has the, the flying what were they called pussy galore's flying circus <laughs> She has a flying circus team it also has the uh really ridiculous plot of goldfinger who wants to contaminate the, the u.s gold, gold supply so in fort knox so that he has more um but that underground layer and that moment like with the from the the clip before. The laser moment. I mean, it's it's such a classic Bond moment, because he tells him his entire plot, he uh, gives him plenty of time to escape, right. and he manages to cut it off just before he gets
2: And staged. the
1: villains that fouled never learned. They
4: never they learned. They
1: never learned. Oh, well, since you're going to die anyway, I will tell you everything! I'm going to tell you
4: everything. Ah, 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 ah. And then what about that <laughs> poor guy that gets squished in the metal oh, gosh. The, the car crusher?
1: What about, my, you know, the, it's all about the quotes. you got yeah. some good ones in here. Like the one we just uh, kicked in with, but I love serving Dom purring on above thirty-eight degrees. It's like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs.
4: Yeah, I'm sure you liked that. I one. love that line. I also like the uh, the elaborate death of the Bond girl painted in gold skin That's suffocation.
1: Iconic image. Yeah, it's of, an
4: iconic image, but it's do- it's not real. It doesn't
1: a real no, thing. It doesn't exist. And I
4: like how they explain. Well, it's the the painting. It's the gold that they use for the painters, but they usually have to leave a small patch on the bottom of the feet for their skin to breathe. Right but when they do. Don't it die?
1: But that image, but that of image
4: is classic.
1: Shirley Bond. Eaton covered in the gold like that is one of the most enduring images of cinema. Period. <laughs> this is Steven Spielberg's favorite James Bond movie, and Sean Connery himself had this to say about Goldfinger years ago. He was interviewed, and he says, "I heard my voice from a TV, and my grandchildren were watching Goldfinger. I watched it for a bit, and it was interesting. There was an elegance, and assurance, and a leisureliness to it that was." comforting I also saw things that I've would have improved in a heartbeat.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh Price says for me, Goldfinger remains the greatest and stands as the benchmark from which all other bonds are measured against. It epitomizes what makes the franchise so great and why, why it still endures to this day. The film is rife with multiple iconic images from Jill Masterson's gold covered body to the laser beam pointed at bond. Connery seems to embody the role with a sense of gruff sleekness. I like that. And smooth toughness. When you think of James Bond, you think of saving the world, seductresses, eccentric villains, and nifty gadgets. In other words, you think of Goldfinger. Absolutely. And just I like that description of Connery because I was reading that when they cast Sean Connery as Bond, they said they wanted someone who was big and tough, like a big man, hulky man, but also moved like a cat. So he is that sleek but tough.
1: He's kind of, you know, rewatching those Connery movies. He, he's, he's the man. And <laughs> Seb Lacey closes it out for us by saying, Goldfinger is my favorite of the classic Bond films. It is everything that made James Bond 007. From the introduction where Bond dispatches an assassin with quick thinking and a cool quip. By the way, that opening scene when he switches from a scuba gear to a oh, white touch. Yeah, That's such an iconic image that...
4: Tuxedo, Remember True Lies? Yeah.
1: Schwarzenegger paid a big tribute to that with James Cameron in that one. the white tux. With the white tux. uh, To the end where Goldfinger gets his comeuppance. And yes, it's a little dated in some areas, but it's still a brilliant film. Casino Royale may have made Bond cool, but Goldfinger is really where Bond started.
4: All right, let's do... uh rapid round of business before we go take it away subscribe to profiles on iTunes don't forget to rate and review you can watch us live on YouTube every second Tuesday at youtube.com slash popcorn talk network also all the episodes are there so if you haven't seen all of profiles make sure you go and watch all the episodes right there like us on Facebook facebook.com slash profiles of Malone Mance thanks you can get profiles t-shirts on uh, com slash user slash Profiles, And then you can follow us on Twitter at Alicia Malone, at Scott Man, oh, Movie Man. After <laughs> Alish- all this, <laughs> all these years. At Movie Man. <laughs> all these years. At <laughs> Alicia Malone, at Movie Man.
1: That's all about the pause anyway.
4: (laughs) I'm so tired today. I'm sure you can tell.
1: Well, we're going to wrap it up by recalling our fast five. Coming in at number five is The the Spy spy Who who Loved Me. me. Number four, From From Russia Russia With with Love. Love. Number three, On on Her 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 Majesty's Secret Secret Service. Service. Number two, Skyfall. Skyfall. And number one, Goldfinger. The book is closed. closed. Profiles (laughs) is done. But make sure you... (laughs) share profiles with everyone and we'll be back in two weeks.
4: Who are we going to do next? We have to think. We have someone in mind. Mm. Someone
1: really special. Someone that Profiles is all about. As for Mm. who that person is, check back in a couple of days and go to our Facebook page so you can be the first to find out who our next profile is. But you will not be disappointed. You will love it. Until next time. (gasps) Bye!